This episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast is the last one for 2019. After today, we'll be back with another episode on Sunday, January 5th in the year 2020. Hello, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. Our talk this week is called Heavyweight Joy and takes a look at the value of cultivating the kind of joy that allows us to address suffering over the long haul. If you are interested in joining me in the new year for this ongoing project of cultivation, here's a reminder to set aside the weekend of March 20th through 22nd. I'll be teaching a retreat that weekend for Flowering Lotus Meditation called In Harmony with Reality. Their website describes it as a silent Vipassana retreat, and that will require some updating. We'll definitely have some periods for silent practice, but we'll also have times for meaningful Dharma sharing throughout as we explore this topic together. So this retreat is available to people at any level of meditation practice. Go to floweringlotusmeditation.org to pre-register and get the details on location, arrival times, and so forth. So that's all one word, floweringlotusmeditation.org. And then if you want more information about Deep South Dharma and what we offer, visit us at deepsouthdharma.org. Now, I'm adding something new to the podcast this week. I may not do it every single week, but I'm starting it this week. Part of what I'm up to by offering this podcast without paid commercials is just participating in the tradition of making resources available for people who need and enjoy them for fun and for free. In the process, I've done weekly announcements of other resources offered by Deep South Dharma, so that's nothing new. But I want to do that for my friends also. I've decided that I want to use this platform to make you aware of other types of services available in different areas. And I still want these to be free announcements, not paid commercials. These will be businesses or activities offered by friends of mine that I can vouch for personally, that I just want to support because they are worthy of being lifted up for attention. So if you're in the Nashville, Tennessee area, I want you to know about my friend Jim Ramsey. He's an experienced medical professional with a big heart and the owner of Way to Go Transit. Way to Go Transit provides non-emergency, facility-based transportation to medical appointments for clients who are wheelchair-dependent or ambulatory or ambulatory with a walker. Way to Go Transit delivers comfortable, skilled, and prompt service for long-term care facilities, rehabilitation centers, and assisted living communities. Jim was in the middle of helping a friend he had met at his mom's nursing home when he realized there was a huge need in the Nashville community for assisting seniors with daily tasks and errands and transportation. Because Jim was over there visiting his mom and other residents all the time, the staff where she lived knew and trusted him, and they actually were the ones to point out to him that there was especially a need for transport for wheelchair-dependent residents of long-term rehab and assisted living facilities. If you or a loved one is in any kind of long-term living situation, you know what a challenge it can be getting transportation to doctor visits or hospital procedures and then back to the facility. 
So after retiring from 30 years in healthcare, Jim got a nice, comfortable ADA compliant van to provide service to people of all ages. Jim Ramsey is one of the most soothing and personable men you'll ever meet. And having worked 30 years in healthcare, he's met all kinds of needs for people in all kinds of circumstances. If you need this service, or if you have residents who need it, give Jim a call at 615-609-1196. Again, that's 615-609-1196. Or go to the website at waytogotransit.com for more information. And now, on to our last podcast talk for 2019, Heavyweight Joy. Thanks again for being here. Um, I have to play with the room room arrangement some. There's a definite bias toward this part. (laughs) I feel a little off kilter. (laughs) For sure, yeah. That's right, it's awesome. Hey, come on in. So um, the uh, talk title tonight uh, that I emailed out uh, earlier is uh, Heavyweight Joy. Um, and I, um, this came about because I was reflecting on how, I actually was thinking about the music that I like, right? That the music, I was noticing how the music that I like often, um, you know, much of what I deal with in a week is pretty serious. Um, and like everybody else, everybody has serious stuff they deal with. Um, and you know, and then I kind of have a specialty into in in um, getting really really close to some of the really uh, difficult parts of people's lives. And I was thinking of how you know, I was thinking in that at first, I was thinking in that odd that the music that I tend to listen to is not the music that. I mean, sometimes I listen to music that's just pure fun, but not much. It kind of is sort of like, I, I don't listen to music that's very fluffy. And I was thinking about how, um, I mean, it definitely brings me a lot of joy, and there definitely is a sense of it sort of balancing out that the, unhap- the unhappy parts of life that I sometimes come in contact with. But I was thinking, you know, it may just be that, because that music that I really tend to love also will address that, address that difficult stuff, right? But it addresses it in ways that are inspiring or joyful or, um, or even just uh, empathetic, 
You know, I mean, I remember, you know, if I remember watching the hours and how, you know, it's like on the surface, most people would say, what a downer that movie is. But I love that movie because it is so well done. It's so well done, so true to human experience. So, you know, and so it's like there's some, there's sort of a luminosity about um, it, it, even if someone's playing somebody who is very unhappy or very confused or very whatever, and just the fact that they're playing them really well. It's like watching, you know, empathy in action um, is really powerful to me. And so I, I sort of was thinking, well, it, it may be that that, that uh, and I, I just also was applying it to other parts of, of practice also, of course, um, and thinking too about like, you know, our opportunity to, um, to, to get together and be with each other and celebrate. You know, this is a group of people that in, in our life, you know, we come together in this room and we, we share uh, joys and sorrows together here, but you know, a lot of uh, the energy that leaves this room, you know, in the weeks in between is spent being of service to other people, addressing, difficulties in the world in some fashion or another. Sometimes the difficulties in the world may be in our own houses <laughs> or sometimes, you know, out on the street. It, kind of, it doesn't, it's, it's one of the things we learn in the Dharma is that it is all the same, right? The suffering, uh, if I'm working to eliminate suffering in my own household, in my own life, that's not less than addressing suffering anywhere in the world um, and vice versa. So, um, that's, um, so that, that was what was up for me. And then I, I stopped at, because th this was on a little road trip that I was sort of in this bit of contemplation and I stopped somewhere to eat and, um, and was in line. It was kind of a busy, unusual, surprisingly busy uh, restaurant because it was a late lunch. But it, there was a group of people and they were very, you know, lots of red sweaters, lots of clearly, you know, holiday uh, time. And there were some of us in line in the restroom and a lady, there were a few ladies that clearly were friends and that were talking in line. And another lady said, um, are y'all having a, is this a family reunion? You know, are y'all having a holiday party? And the lady said, well, no, we, um, we are, uh, they said it's sort of through our church, but we just we have a year-long project where we do stuff for homeless people all throughout the year. But we also do this thing of where we get together to have, you know, a Christmas lunch together. So there's just that, again, that acknowledgement that when we are involved with heavy stuff in the world, like that, it really is valuable and important, and it you know to also take that time together to to connect. Um, and, and to connect with the joy, actually, not just the joy that is a joy that where we're distracting ourselves, but the joy that comes from connecting with other people who care about addressing the things we care about addressing. Uh, the, the, the sense of inspiration and encouragement that we get from um, spending time with uh, noble friends, as the Buddha referred to them, um, that that were um, seeking some solutions just as, as we are. Um, and so, um, so there's that aspect of uh, being sure to celebrate, and, but, but also not, uh, not, shutting things, uh, not shutting things out either. So it's, it's, it is um, 
you know, and, and as I will say, you know, that as we practice more and more, we start really paying attention to, okay, is this, am I engaged right now in something that is somehow inspiring and edifying even the movies I watch, or is this just pure distraction that, that kind of, uh, you know, it's all temporary, right? We're aware of that. And yet, there is some that, are, that it's just, it's sort of like, you know, like the flavor on a potato chip. Just you get, you know, a quick burst of flavor and then it's just gone, right? That's, that's why, I mean, they're designed that way, right? That's why they say you can't eat just one. They're designed that way, you know? And a lot of our, uh, the things that we do in an attempt to bring joy to our lives are not sufficient because it's that quick, it's that same way, that quick hit of the sweet or salty, um, uh, and, uh, and, it, and it doesn't stick with us. So even in the things that, that we do kind of for fun, uh, we tend to find, the more that we practice, we tend to find that, that we actually are looking for those things that, that, that I'm referring to more as heavyweight joys, right? Not just the sort of quick potato chip, you know, hit a flavor to our lives and you know this it is um, to recognize too you know there I I knew this but I kind of hadn't or I you know I sort of knew it but I really hadn't heard it spelled out till I was listening to a Ajahn Amaro was talking about the DSM. So for people that are therapists, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, where, where insurance companies and providers get these diagnoses, right? So the DSM-4, which was, which was the one everybody went by for a long time, I mean, well over 1,000 pages, half a page on wellness, right? So now, since this great big movement, you know, toward the more wellness focus, there's, you know, like 150 pages devoted something, I mean, still over a thousand, that's everything else. But one of the things that is really worth um, being aware of is that so much, these suttas, that, you know, these thick books of sutta translations that, you know, I sometimes bring in here when I do a talk or you say, these are manuals in joy. These are manuals in how do I cultivate and, um, and sort of uh, sust learn to sustain joy? How do I, uh, you know, the, the four great efforts, right? The, how do I uh, avoid the arising of unwholesome states? How do I address the, the unwholesome states that already arose? <laughs> how do I take care of that? Um, how do I cultivate or cause the arising of wholesome states, and once, once those are there, how do I maintain them, right? So all of these various suttas about, you know, all of this stuff that I'm, um, like I mentioned last week, it may seem so technical, but really it's just that we are not, in our culture, we're not, we're used to having a lot of focus on the potato chip level of enjoyment but not really like deep study in how do you cultivate joy. And I think for those of us that end up on this path um, in the Dharma, it's because we have always been looking for this, for a way to cultivate joy that is lasting, that is, um, that is not, uh, where we're not just sort of at the mercy of events and situations. 
Um, and you know, the, it, it, and, and it's not only for ourselves, um, which we talk about that each week as we close with our dedication of benefit, um, but it's that awareness that even in the ways that we interact with the world and address the suffering that we see in the world, you know, uh, even it, it's that we are doing, we are addressing things in a different way than the mainstream. And um, sometimes, you know, there's a real, there's a big movement toward activism among, uh, among Western Buddhists anyway. And there's, there is, there's some of it's done skillfully and some of it's not as skillful. Um, but, you know, the, you know, as a mother and grandmother, for instance, you know, I hear of, of a little girl that we allowed to, to, to die of dehydration. And I mean, I have like that, that reactivity in me, right, has that fantasy of like charging down to the border to see like what the hell, but like what do I really think I'm gonna do when I get there, right? It really is that, but that strong feeling, it's like, okay, so obviously I need to find a different, you know, what we're about here is learning like, what's a different way to work with that? How do we, how do we learn to, um, to find out what our part is in addressing the fact that, you know, we, that we are, that we, um, that we are very much, not our fault, but very much born into a caste system, not just in India, but here. And, and so it's like, how do I contribute? How do I find ways to contribute so that, um, so that no matter where on that caste system anybody is born, that they have access to have their basic needs met? Um, and to be able to um, give their children water when they need it or to, you know, have what they need. And so, um, and you know, for some of us, uh, you know, so a lot of what we are about when we are um, living this path, part of this is about resolving our own suffering. Um, you know, it's sort of like we have all this self-doubt and self-loathing and it's like <laughs> on one level the world doesn't have time for that for all of our self-hatred and self-loathing, you know, and all of our self-doubt. It's like, you know, here very often we're walking around feeling unworthy of doing one thing or another, and the world needs needs people to, to engage somehow, you know. And so, and when you think about um, people who, um, um, you know, and yet we don't want to do it mindlessly, right, because we know when we act out of reactivity, often what we do is not that useful. And so part of this, part of what we're doing here is we are resolving our own suffering and getting to know um, as we disidentify with our suffering, we disidentify with all of these various states of mind that come and go, we disidentify with our diagnoses and all of that, and we come to kind of get a stronger sense of like, okay, you know, taking care of all of that um, in the ways that I need to. Um, but then allowing ourselves to find out, okay, for each of us individually, sort of what is our part? You know, and for some of us, our part, um, you know, it may feel, it may be very local, very one-on-one, -on -one, um, very, you know, um, and, and in some ways, uh, sort of quiet, you know, what our culture, you know, and our culture seems sort of quiet, right? Or sort of back, background, backstage, you know? 
um, action and, and for some of us that's our part to, and then for other people you know there's that sense of um, that they that you know some people uh, may have to have the the stress of a higher profile and all the misunderstandings that come with that and all of the sense of growing up in public that you know I was th I was uh, you know I mean I just love her I'm not not here to talk about details of this or that policy or whatever but like you know, our, our new youngest congresswoman, you know, she's the age of my oldest child. And I just think that, you know, I'm, I'm just like so, you know, proud for her, right, that she was inspired to get involved and all of that. But I also have like preemptive empathy for her growing pains because she will be, well, already is, but will be very much growing up in public. Luckily, she seems to, you know, to have the stamina <laughs> to, to fire back at people if she needs to. But, but just that sense of, um, for some people, you know, some people may, at times, uh, Mara may come at them. So Mara being just sort of those negative forces of our own mind that can undercut us. For some people, Mara may come at us with a sense of, oh, that what you're doing is not enough, or it's too small, or you know, you're not doing enough, it doesn't matter. For, for another person who's more high profile, Mara may come at them with threats of, you know, what are other people going to think of you, and, and all of that. And we have to learn to recognize, um, to, to recognize that for what it is that it's just, you know, whether we call it critical inner voice or Mara, um, but we learn to recognize that for what it is and, and, and keep, our, um, keep our focus with our intention, with our intention to alleviate suffering wherever we may find it. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that is really worth uh, cultivating is, a, is a, a practice of reminding ourselves of, uh, the teaching of the eight worldly winds, right? When we talk about equanimity, developing sort of this heavyweight ability to stay balanced. Um, not rigid, but just like to regain our balance when our balance gets knocked off. But the, the, the eight worldly winds are, are really four pairs. Um, it's these vicissitudes of uh, gain and loss or winning and losing gain in that sense. Winning and losing, um, pleasure and sorrow, <coughs> praise and blame, and then fame or obscurity. Now, for some of us, so the fame or obscurity thing, is, you know, I was talking about just now, for some of us who are not, who, who our life is never about fame, it, can, it might show up more as times of feeling like we have tons of support and times of feeling like we don't have enough support. So, but recognizing and reminding ourselves, you know, pretty regularly that all of these experiences are normal, all eight of those experiences. So when we are in the midst of one extreme or the other, to recognize this is just a temporary situation, it's the wind's blowing this way, whether it's a pleasant direction or an unpleasant direction, um, it's, you know, it is not, uh, happening because I'm a good person or a bad person, these eight uh, wins visit everybody. Um, and the, the practice that we're undertaking in sort of giving ourselves sort of this strong sense of underlying this ballast to the enjoy 
um, really allows us to withstand a lot. Uh, a lot of the external slings and arrows, but also the internal slings and arrows of the self-doubt, the self-criticism. And so working with that, um, just as a reminder, that, oh, it's not that I'm supposed to be able to control the winds or the waves. It's that at, the more I practice, the more I'm going to feel sort of masterful in responding to them. Um, and, uh, and when we find ourselves in situations where it is appropriate to step up or speak up or, you know, write a letter to the editor, whatever the modern-day version of that is, you know, those sorts of things, um, we can we can do them and do them skillfully. Um, you know that 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 our we do want our focus to be on um, sort of and, and it may even be worthwhile for some of us. You know, we kind of have to know our leaning, right? So if our leaning is to overthink and over edit ourselves, we may have to decide. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to be willing to speak up or take an action that's skillful enough. I don't have to wait till it's perfect to offer my service to the world. Um, and then for others of us, if we have a tendency to just like, you know, splash things out there without regard to how it affects other people, we may want to, you know, we may want to learn to like run things by other people a little more uh, so, that, so that what we, what we offer, whether it is in small circles or big circles, um, to uh, so that what we offer is it, at least has the opportunity to be to be useful, um, and you know to recognize that that also when we are faced with news and other information about things that are out of our immediate control. Um, that one of the things that can help balance us and root us in joy is to remember the things that we are doing, right? So for instance, in this group, you know, we regularly <coughs> contribute to Buddhist Global Relief. There are children that are alive today because of contributions you have made that otherwise wouldn't be. So, you know, we can't, we, we can't prevent everything, but we can prevent some harms and we can, um, and, uh, and, you know, I had the opportunity to meet a young woman. I, I ran down to uh, hear some music in Florence, Alabama, a couple of nights ago, and uh, and I, because I was, I got there a few minutes early, and there was a family there, so we had the place to ourselves, like right when the doors opened, we had the place to ourselves for a bit, and it turned out that this young woman, she's a young adult now, but when she was 13, she had this humongous experience when she realized who I was, and who I, because my daughter had, she, when she was 13, she had been part of some sort of like girls, you know, rock, rock and roll camp or something. I'm not sure what exactly, I didn't quite understand, but it was something where my daughter had been encouraging to her about her music. And she just was having this just reeling experience, you know, and it was pretty cool that, uh, not just that we were there, that wasn't so surprising, that we were both there to hear a music thing, but that we were both there early, because otherwise I wouldn't, I don't have conversations with people usually. <laughs> I usually go hear music and, you know, unless I brought somebody with me, I'm, I'm there to hear the music, I'm not chatting people up, you know. <laughs> but because we had some time, I got to talk to this young lady and her family, 
And so it was one of those things that just reminded me of like all kinds of little things we do. And she was saying, oh yeah, my dad knows, you know, knows who your daughter is, not because of her music, but because of me, because I talk about it all the time. And, you know, so just those, those things that, um, that often we may, not, uh, we may not be aware of ways that we are supporting others or helping to alleviate suffering or how an action we took six years ago may still be offering support to somebody. So, it's, it's, so when we're looking at how can I be of service, we also want to remember how have I been of service. And, you know, because we may want to continue with that. Um, finding those ways that sort of feel, not that we don't want to grow our comfort zones, we definitely want to be willing to grow our comfort zones, but also just to also get to know ourselves well enough to recognize what are those places that it seems sort of natural for me to serve. Um, and, um, and, and, when, and when when we are fully engaged in doing that, then we have less, um, we, may, we, we can still have definite heartache about the heartbreaking things that we hear, but we can have less of the mental suffering and angst around it. So, um, so with that, I want to um, stop and hear your reflections on uh, what helps you develop some heavyweight joy in your life um, to, uh, to give you some balance and uh, in the midst of lots of suffering in this world. And thanks again for being here. you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.